Hi, this is Joe. And I'm Amy. And this is What Makes It Fun with Joe. And Amy. (laughs) Hey guys, welcome to another episode of What Makes It Fun with Joe and Amy. Uh, I am sitting here with Miss Amelia Clover. Hi guys. And uh, in this episode, we talk to Scott Rogers, who's a former Disney Imagineer and a video game developer. We talk about what makes uh, you know uh, video games fun and what makes uh, Disneyland fun and a bunch of cool stuff like that. And he also has like one of the coolest houses ever. Um, can you describe what his house is like, Amy? His house is like a giant toy store and also a huge ad for the Haunted Mansion. There's yeah. just like figurines everywhere. He actually has a bat room. Like a Batman themed bathroom, which I have too, um, embarrassingly enough. But his is just full of action figures and the soap dispenser, and he's got everything. So it's like, uh, like it's almost like a convention in here. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty good way uh, of putting it. Uh, he's definitely has like a super cool uh, collectible house. Um, all right, so we have an interview with him coming up. Uh, be sure to check him out at mrbossdesign.blogspot.com. He has a book called, uh, it just came out called uh, Level Up, The uh, Guide to Great Video Game Design. Definitely check it out. Uh, another book called Swipe This. Really cool. He gave us both signed copies after the show, which is really nice of him. Super cool guy. Check this interview out. And afterwards, we're going to have a round of certified fun and almost fun. So stick around. Much good stuff that wasn't recorded. I know, right? Uh, well, despite all that, um, we talked about like comics and uh, video games and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we have here as our guest today Scott Rogers, who is who has done man, so many things. Uh, go ahead and brag a little bit about the things you've worked on. I'm not a bragger. <laughs> uh, all right, um, what what have I done? Um, I uh, I. Worked for I've worked for over 20 years in video game industry mm-hmm. um, on a lot of AAA titles that you may or may not have heard of, including God of War and the Maximo series for Capcom and Pac-Man World and SpongeBob SquarePants and uh, Warhammer and Darksiders and... Uh, uh, Bratz, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> and... Um, and and then uh, recently, most recently, I was a Imagineer for Disney, and I worked mm-hmm. on a lot of things that I cannot tell you about. Although I'm mm-hmm. uh, very excited that they announced something that I've been sitting on for a very long time, which was mm-hmm. uh, the Hatbox Ghost, which is my all-time oh. favorite uh, character from Disneyland. Right. Uh, this character that had been that has been missing from the Haunted Mansion for. Well, since 1969, mm-hmm. uh, is finally going back in, and uh, I was lucky enough to be able to see him even before he uh, has gotten in, and he'll be coming in pretty soon. I think in May he goes in. Oh, cool. But yeah, so that's super awesome. And then I've also written some books. Um, I've written uh, two books, uh, well, two and a bit books on level design. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is called Level Up, the Guide to Great Video Game Design. The other is called Swipe This, and that's about touchscreen uh, gameplay. Uh, and you can get both of those. Uh, at like Amazon.com mm. or Barnes and Noble or wherever you buy books, and and they've been reprinted in a lot of different languages, which is very cool to yeah. see how they make crazy versions of my covers. <laughs> um, and then I also teach. Uh, um, I have been teaching for the last few years 
at the University of Southern California's Interactive Media Department, which is the number one video game school in the country. Yay, go Trojans! Uh, and I, I've got uh, some other things going on. Um, I'm kind of branching out into... Um, consulting and freelance stuff so if you need a uh, experienced <laughs> video game designer i'm available just look me up on linkedin awesome uh what was the first time you entertained someone that i entertained someone that i yeah. willingly entertained someone yeah. I, I guess it was um when i was about i don't know i want to say about six or seven my my bride so i have an older brother he's two years older two and a bit older and, um, and I have a younger brother also, but he's like nine years apart. But we had this time period where my older brother and I shared like a room. We had bunk beds and all that. And um, when we were kids, we had a lot of puppets. We we're really into – I still love puppets, but I uh, – it's just one more thing I don't need to collect. Uh, as Joe and uh, Amy can attest, they're in the middle of this room that is – is overstuffed with things anywho um so we had a lot of puppets and uh so what we would do is we would um use kind of the the board the what i don't know what you call it but on your bed you know the headboard the, the headboard yeah, yeah we'd use the headboard as our stage and so we would hide behind the headboard okay. and we'd pop our arms up with our different sesame street and other pirate puppets and things like that and put on shows for our mom and dad mm. um and then the other thing that we did uh was every halloween we had like a we had like this – it wasn't a dollhouse. It was like a miniature house in our backyard, mm. uh, kind of like a playhouse, I guess. And so my brother and I would deck it out every Halloween. Uh, we would um, you know, make ghosts out of tissue paper and we would you know, try and build skeletons and we would get um, creepy masks from the drugstore. And then we would set them all up and make a scene in this, in this playhouse and we would run fishing wire through the thing. And so we would have – ghosts that would go flying by and bats that would drop wow. down and my my favorite gag was we had a fake refrigerator and you open the we opened the freezer part and in it was like this severed head that was sitting wow. in the freezer you know and and so we would have people come up to our like the door of this playhouse and then we would be behind the playhouse and pulling all these strings and making various sound effects and things like that so so yeah it was probably around six seven eight i think was when we started doing these kind of things and what what inspired that that kind of that horror type like oh the haunted house thing yeah. well that's something i've been doing forever um i i love making haunted houses um uh i love the effects and the theatricality and the uh, I love scaring people. I mean, it's, it's scaring people in a fun environment is um, in a safe environment uh, is really fun. Um, it's I love Halloween um, yeah. and uh, and creating something that people kind of let themselves get scared is really uh, it's a neat experience. And particularly when you can actually scare somebody, uh, it's interesting because even though they know it's fake, you can still um, scare them enough for them for a moment to think it's something real. Um, and this was, uh, of course, um, exa or sparked and exacerbated by my love of the Haunted Mansion at Disneyland. Yeah. Like most uh, haunted house creators, it's a huge uh, source of inspiration and right. um, something that everybody kind of wants to replicate in one form or another. Mm -hmm. Hey, just real quick. Have, huh? you, have you ever seen Monster Squad? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have seen Monster Squad. Uh, Werewolf as Nards. Yeah! Uh, I just exploded. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Blew Amy's mind. That's... <laughs> 
That's your favorite film, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> last one. I was just like, Scott has to like this film. Yes, if he hasn't I, seen it. I do like it. Um, uh, what was what was your first like? What place gave you your first like creative start? What place? Yeah, or like, like where like did you home first? Or, or I guess like where, where did I work? Work like what? Pay, right. What was the first place that paid you? The first job, creative job that I had. Well, there were two. One was when I was about eight or nine years old. Um, I drew a triptych of pictures of monsters ripping people to shreds. <laughs> and it was like, uh, you know, just, you know, kids artwork at eight years old, but instead of like, you know, I don't know, robots or superheroes, it was Dracula and werewolf and the mummy and Frankenstein literally ripping people apart. So there were bone exposed bones and I had a red pen and I was, blood was gushing everywhere. And I sold those to my uh, schoolmates for like a quarter a shot. Wow. And uh, and so I sold a whole bunch of them, and then and it was funny because so this was in the seventies, right, right? When it was okay to have things ripping things apart. Yeah, right. And um, and so no psychologist was sent after me, but I think I disturbed myself so much. I, like I kept looking at these pictures, and I'm like. I kind of can't believe I grew, drew something so grotesque mm. and I kind of freaked myself out and stopped selling them because I was like, these are a little too gross and maybe people shouldn't own these. <laughs> so I self-censored myself and, uh, and, and stopped that business. But that was, that was the first money I made off of, of creating artwork. But my first job, and I'm using finger quotes here, right. uh, was when I was in high school, I think, or junior high school. Maybe it was high school. Uh, my father uh, taught at um, San Diego State, mm -hmm. and he talk, taught in the television and film department. And he met a student, and the student was doing a student film, and the guy was making a sci-fi film. And so he needed somebody to storyboard the effects. Mm -hmm. And so my dad said, well, my son draws cartoons. He could do it for you. And yeah. so I think I got paid like... It was like six bucks a page or something like, which is a really good for like eighty two or three. Yeah. It was a good rate actually, and so I did like I I don't know maybe about fifty sixty uh, storyboard panels of like a spaceship flying into a, a dock and parking, and then another one of it blasting off, and and it was it was great because um, it did teach me that that there is a way to make money off of being an artist. Now, granted, I wasn't supporting myself, mm. but it but it did put that seed in my head, which definitely helped uh, keep kind of keep my confidence up as I move forward in life. Yeah, that's super important because there's a lot of people with like the skill, but they don't think that they can make money off of something they do for fun. Yeah, absolutely. So what are your favorite, what's your favorite industry product, both like now and in of all time? industry product yeah. uh, so you mean like so for uh so this one is more towards uh disney okay so oh okay oh you want what's yeah. my favorite thing at disney yeah um well it's the haunted mansion i mean the the thing that's amazing about the haunted mansion is other than about i want to say four special effects two of which have been updated in the last uh, eight or ten years uh everything in that attraction is based on turn of the turn of the century technology mm -hmm. there are there are things there so the peppers ghosts and many of the illusions um are all very tried and true old theatrical tricks from mm -hmm. phantasmagoriums and things like that and um 
and it's amazing to see how well they work. And, and what's even more amazing is how convincing they are to the guests. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've heard people say about the, if you're familiar with the ballroom scene where there's all these Pepper's ghosts of um, phantoms dancing and having a party, mm-hmm. uh, people are convinced that they're holograms and they're not at all. They're, 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 they're technology that is so easy you can replicate it in your own house with a sliding glass window and a light oh yeah uh, so it's um it's yeah it's amazing that that they use all these old tricks and that they just still hold up so well and it's just it was the genius of their staging right it's all the presentation and um, I did have a really uh, fun moment, though, in the Haunted Mansion. When I first started work uh, as an Imagineer, I was kind of intimidated because I am like, who is this game designer that is, you know, working for this company that has yeah. these geniuses? And there are. I don't I don't use the term genius lightly, mm. but I have I definitely know geniuses that work at at disney Mm. um and so i one one of the projects i was working on got me into the haunted mansion which was a like a dream come true yeah and we were touring the backstage part of the attraction and i came to there's these two busts that are they follow you as you as you go right and and what it is is this very simple effect sorry if i'm ruining it for you guys but it's this very simple effect where it's essentially a reverse mold and the the optical illusion and the way it's lit makes it look like a a 3d bus that's moving around and so when you change your perspective the the model moves but it doesn't move right it looks like it's moving and so I was going around the Haunted Mansion. I'm like, oh, my God, this place is so incredible. And we went backstage to where the busts were, and I looked up onto the wall, and the 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 blown plastic molds for these these statues were literally held up by, like, four nails. Wow. And, and I'm, I'm looking at this thing, and I said, this effect that has, like, amazed people for so many years is no better – built than something i've done in my garage Mm. and so at that moment like kind of the tension went out of me i was like i i am in the right place i i know i can do this because i've done this before and seeing this like the only differences between disneyland and some of the things that i've done Mm. uh were that a they have a permanent structure and b they have a bigger budget Mm -hmm. and so that Mm -hmm. just made me feel much more comfortable much more ready to kind of like okay i can handle this job and and uh, i can do things that are as amazing as these other guys that I grew up um, uh, admiring. Right. And you have like a really uh, popular speech online where you talk about things that uh, taught you about how Disneyland taught you everything you know about level design. Yep, absolutely. That's it? Yeah, yeah. It's at the the GDC um, vault. I think that's on the Gamma Sutra page. Mm. Um, So yeah, if you check that or just type in it's uh, everything I learned about level design I learned from Disneyland. So or Scott Rogers, whatever. You'll find it. Is there is there a couple of things that are like the most like if we could just take one or two of those out what are like the most important ones mm. uh, maxims from those right um, one of them is probably the notion of well we talked about it a little bit earlier with the idea of feeling presenting danger but feeling but being safe yeah. like safe danger right so this yeah. this notion of um, you're in an environment like Big Thunder Mountain is a perfect example, right? Big Thunder Mountain, as you are taking this train ride, uh, you're seeing, you know, rickety looking track and you're seeing warning signs and you're seeing danger. There's dynamite and they've done this new ending to the attraction, which is really spectacular, where dynamite kind of explodes in this cavern. Um, and so as you're riding it, you're getting this 
feeling that you you know uh oh we're going into a dangerous place right we're seeing uh you know we're 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 seeing that the 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 rickety track is leading us to an area that says danger and there's lights ringing and yeah. and you know the fuse is going the dynamite is going and it so it gets us excited right it's this feeling of like ah oh, we're we're in trouble but you know once you get out of it you get this little bit of a rush of like oh man uh uh you know we survived right i mean mm-hmm. disneyland uh, is all about survival if you look at <laughs> if you look at the majority of the attractions you know snow white is about surviving you know the witch and yeah. and uh mr toad is about well not surviving a car crash yeah. you know and pirates of the caribbean is about assault uh surviving assault on a on a town and haunted mansion is about surviving a night in a haunted mansion yeah. and so there's this theme that runs through and it's and and so um one of the things that i uh that I point out in the talk, which is fun, is um, is how many skeletons, because skeletons are this great uh, foreshadowing of danger, right? You see a skeleton, you're like, uh-oh, somebody died here, I might be next, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, one of the things that's in the, in the talk is how many skeletons are in Disneyland attractions. And it's funny because if you were to ask, you know, somebody on the street or someone who's familiar with Disneyland, you know, they would guess, but the number is a lot low, always a lot lower than what the reality is. And I'm not going to give away the answer what it is because you'll have to hear the talk yourself. But um, but that's just one of those things where it's like you're setting up the situation that people are going to be in danger. And, and part of the thrill comes from you being thrown around physically. Mm-hmm. But part of it is that emotional tension of uh, am I going to survive this experience? Well, of course I am. You know, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's just a ride. But it's because I think that people – are other than like car accidents or muggings or whatever, which, uh, you know, knock on what hopefully people don't ever experience in their life. There's very little danger in people's lives anymore. Right. And right. so people, I think, crave that they want that sensation. So that's why haunted houses on Halloween, these, you know, yard haunts are popular and why mm-hmm. roller coasters are popular and why video games are popular. Right. Mm-hmm. They're these, they're these situations that you would never find yourself in, in real life, yeah. but you can have the fantasy of, of being in these situations and kind of like how would I respond in this situation would I be able to survive it or would I would I break and run you know and yeah. and so it's a, that testing people like to be tested every once in a while mm-hmm. and so Disneyland is a great place to kind of test your bravery I mean think about kids that are too young to go on like Space Mountain mm-hmm. and so in their mind they're kind of building this up as a scary thing yeah. and you know or you've even seen kids being dragged out of that ride yeah. right that are crying because it was the notion of getting onto it let alone the ride itself was just too scary right yeah. and so Disneyland builds up this kind of you know sense of foreboding as you work your way into the attraction um and so you have to so in video games it's kind of the same thing right you want to build up this sense of you're heading into danger you're gonna fight monsters you're gonna you know find traps and things like that and so it's it's just one of the many uh physical manifestations that you can also apply to video game design yeah and one of my favorite things about disneyland is i think tony baxter said this he said that the experiences are so varied that you could you could see, they're not all kind of bland like you could say oh i went i went down a, a mountain in a log flume where i was in space or i was with peter pan so it's kind of like different flavors of danger oh yeah, yeah. so something's gonna you're scared of something right <laughs> so one of those is gonna hit you yeah yeah absolutely i mean i know some people that you know they love certain attractions but they will not go on other ones just because they're like i just don't i just don't like it it's yeah. either too scary or it's too the movement is not i don't like it or i don't want to get wet or whatever and it's and it's really interesting that that the yeah. tony's right i mean tony's always right yeah. uh but uh but yeah the the different flavor and that's and the different flavors really um 
impacted video games because mm-hmm. a lot of video game designers were influenced by Disneyland. Mm-hmm. And if you look at a place like the World of Warcraft, I mean, really, the the that world is just a fantasy Disneyland, right? Mm-hmm. Because you've got these different zones, right? The way that Disneyland is laid out by Adventureland and Frontierland, Tomorrowland and Fantasyland, I mean, how is that any different than an ice level, a fire level, a, a, you know, yeah. a graveyard level, things like that, right? right. It's, it's, that's where, it's, it, it's that and, um, and it's also Dante's Inferno is the other place where that comes from. Hmm. But, um, but yeah, that notion of the segmented, um, thematic, location that came from Dante that came from Disneyland um, uh, definitely has influenced game designers and 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 stuck with us to this day yeah um, do you have a favorite ride at Disneyland me yeah it's a haunted mansion yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey what do you yeah. think about what they do for Christmas when they uh, you know I'm not a fan huh well here's the thing here's what I don't like about the haunted mansion at Christmas is if they had if they start it on November 1st, I have no problem with it, oh. right? Because it's very charming. It's very cute. I love that they change the decoration every year in mm-hmm. the ballroom. Yeah. Like every year, the cake uh, gingerbread house is always very different and has really some... They've really upped the game in that area particularly. And it's got the Jack Skellington yeah. figure is phenomenal. The animation mm-hmm. on him is awesome. The thing I don't care for is Disneyland has the best haunted house in the world. So why would you want the best haunted house in the world to be Christmas-themed on Halloween? It's like walking into Walmart early in October and seeing the Christmas decorations already being put up. So if they would only – Scott Trowbridge, I'm talking to you – if they would only push it to November 1st and then have it going through January or something, right? And then take it apart in February, you know? And and have – then you'll have your three months of of the Haunted Mansion. But the fact that it's on – it's – Christmas on Halloween that drives me nuts. Yeah, that's yeah. a fair point. Yeah. That's funny because like Christmas also ruins Halloween in like in store. Like every- oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Christmas is Christmas you know, ruins everything. Yeah, <laughs> Christmas, Christmas is the is the four hundred or eight hundred pound gorilla, right? Yeah. And and literally, I I'm, I kind of feel you know how people are saying oh well there's a war on Christmas right you know yeah. people are are war on Christmas forget that there's a war on Halloween yeah. right I mean there is you know think of all the ways that people have tried to push down Halloween, you know, yeah. the lies about the apples with the razors in them oh, and the groups that say, you know, it's satanic yeah. and the, you know, the people saying, oh, it's just a holiday to get drunk and, mm. you know, whatever, or candy's bad for you, whatever. I mean, there's, there's Halloween is, is like the greatest holiday and it's gotten the most uh, smack against it, you know, and right. so, so, so do your part. If you love Halloween, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, do do as much as you can for Halloween, right? Make a haunted house, throw a, a costume party, uh, go visit a uh, not scary farm or Universal or one of those places that does scary stuff because uh, it's such a great it's such a great American holiday, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like nothing like it in the world, um, and uh, and I would hate to see it squashed down because some people just don't get it. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, the uh, it's funny because like I'm very reserved, uh, except for on Halloween because <laughs> I could dress up as proper the rapper yeah. or just go uh, go disco dancing and feel fine about oh, it. Yeah, it, uh, Halloween is wish. It's the same thing as video games. It's wish fulfillment, mm-hmm. right? And they say that um, that your personality 
you know, you're pre- you, what you really want to be is what you dress up as is Halloween. Mm. So you said you were Parappa the Rapper, right? So you yeah. obviously want to be a, a rapping cartoon dog <laughs> yeah. with a daisy for a girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, Amy, what did you dress up as Halloween or something? I, I wanted to be a sexy ladybug. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, sexy, sexy ladybug, okay. Uh, I think the last thing I dressed up at Halloween was probably some variant on Batman, most likely. You know? so who doesn't want to be Batman? Yeah. So yeah, it's it's you know Halloween gives you a chance to be who you want to be, not who you are. Right? It gives you that safety to put on a mask or to dress skimpily or to uh, whatever you know, kind of be brave uh, for one night out of the year. And and how's that a bad thing? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it goes back to what we're talking about about being in a safe environment. Mm-hmm. So what's your favorite thing about entertaining, like entertaining people? And do you have like a best moment like where you're just like, yes, I've achieved the highest level of entertainment? <laughs> well, it's going to sound terrible. Um, I, I, really love, um, I really love making experiences that, that people feel like they want to talk to their friends about or, or converse about. Like I love it when – and I don't get to hear it very often in gaming – Gaming is a is a weird um, profession in the sense that you create something and it gets a lot of people. You know, a lot of people play games, um, but you don't often hear from them, right? You right. can. I mean, the internet makes it easier now. You know, um, so you can read comments, and but a lot of it is people trolling and you know whatever that, or just like, ah, oh, damn the designer, I can't fight this boss. But um, but it's always nice to like. Like, I used to love when people would play a level and I would overhear them talking about their experience. And it's it's what I call – they're talking about what I call the narrative rather than the story. Mm-hmm. So it's the story is, uh, you know, once upon a time there was a knight and the knight uh, was in this – world filled with skeletons and so you have to fight your way through the skeletons to get to the demon lord and you kill the demon lord and you get the magic sword and then you use that to rescue the princess from satan right Mm -hmm. um but what the narrative is is i was playing the game and i was fighting this monster and all of a sudden my armor popped off and so i'm running around naked Mm -hmm. and i'm trying to find more armor Mm -hmm. and then this zombie comes up and and knocks me into a pit of fire and i die and that but that was hilarious and so it's this it's this story of the player's experience rather than the story that you're telling through the medium right so i love hearing those those narratives uh from people but but the best um kind of thing that i have experienced entertainment wise uh was when i've seen very visceral reactions to the work that i've done so Mm. i have two situations and, and actually they both involve when I made haunted houses in my garage, mm-hmm. when I back when I had a garage, um, the first was we set up a haunted house and it had sound and effects and and people in costumes and but I try to do a lot of stuff without like that's part of the Disney thing, right? It's like why rely on people when you can make robots or you can make mannequins or whatever. Right. And we had this one tableau with some skeletons. It wasn't particularly scary, but we scared this gal so much that she wouldn't move. She literally would not move. She like was frozen with fear. I've, you know, you've heard that phrase, but I'd never actually seen it happen wow. until this one time. And so we had to turn on all the lights. We had to turn off the sound. We had to like her and her friends had to like all kind of comfort her and then like let her know it was okay and it was fake. And see, look, it's just black tar paper, you know, taped to the walls. It's nothing, you know, they're fake skeletons and and led the the poor woman out, you know. And and so that was, I mean, 
part of me was like, oh, man, I feel really bad. But part of me was like, yes, I totally scared somebody so much that they that they couldn't move. You know, I, I literally froze somebody. The other the other uh, version of that uh, was also with another haunted house where um, <laughs> this one's even worse. Uh, some little kid we scared so badly he threw up. Wow. Yeah, I know. And that one I felt really bad too. But I was like, okay, that's that's kind of awesome. Man, threw some, scared somebody so bad they they barfed. Do you remember what the effect was? Oh, it was just like someone leaping out or something. Oh. You know, just some startle effect. But it probably the kid just had too much candy in him. Or it was too you know wound up and. And he just barfed all over. So we had a protein spill, and we had to shut things down and clean it up and uh, and back into business. That's pretty braggable. Yeah. Um, what was the last discovery that blew your mind? The last discovery that blew my mind? Like maybe like a really cool story or something that you saw in like a, a video game or something that you were just oh. like, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, the last thing that blew my mind was... Gosh, can we, can we come back to this? <laughs> or what's the last thing that from Disneyland where you're like, oh my God, they're doing this? Well, that they've uh, surprised you. Yeah, I mean, knowing that the Hatbox Ghost was going in, it, that oh. was awesome. Um, but I mean, like seeing at Disneyland, that place is always filled with surprises. Mm. And and I had the pleasure to work in the R and D department, which was is where the mad scientists live. And so I have, I mean, I cannot. I cannot unfortunately talk about any of them, uh-huh. but I have seen, I have seen truly amazing things. I, ha- I mean, and every day I would walk through. There's an area where they where they build. There's one area where the kind of the offices are, and then another area where they build stuff, kind of a a work area. Mm-hmm. And I would always make it a point to walk through that area like every few days, uh-huh. just because there were. Every time I'd walk there through there, there was something amazing going on, and it was and and. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I have seen things that are just absolutely amazing there, but uh, but I, I, NDA, <laughs> so cool. I can't talk about it. I think that's what most people would imagine working. Oh, yeah. Imagineering was like. Well, the the, the best the best um, thing that I can talk about was. Um, family day they had family day where you could bring your family in to view because normally the family wasn't allowed into the offices Uh um and so we brought them in and they got a tour of all these different areas and got to see a lot of really great stuff and when they came back to my kind of my area where i worked um (laughs) the kids like kind of turn around and they're like dad is that a robot like this robot was like rolling by (laughs) a little automated self-automated robot i'm like oh yeah that's the office robot (laughs) <laughs> and, and it's like you know what what place can you work at where you're like blase about the yeah. robot that's you know r- driving around right you know but that was that was what Imagineering was like oh, that's so awesome yeah super awesome uh, what do you think is the best thing in the indus- industry right now like maybe the gaming industry like what's the best thing you've seen the best product like the best game yeah the best or the game best? well um, I don't I mean there's so many amazing I love when very personal things get made like things where you're like where you feel kind of connected to the person even though you don't know them mm. uh where you can kind of feel the maker's hand in it so mm. so a couple of things spring to mind one is was monument valley which was um, a really well crafted game right it's mm. just a really nice uh touch screen you know ipad iphone game um another was um uh, I'm trying to remember the name of it now. It was like 
I want to say it was like God of Swords or King of Swords or something. And yeah. it was this, it was this game about a guy with a big sword. And but the art style was all done in like 1970s tour book. Like if you remember tour books or um, mm-hmm. those other guys that would publish, you know, Conan and Elric, and you know they had the, these kind of quasi psychedelic Frazetta esque covers. And so this guy had made this game that the whole game just had this vibe like the music and the and the artwork and the story was all you could tell that the guy who made this or was the creative director on this game like loved this stuff and he just knew it it was kind of like the same feeling that i got when i first was playing uh, brutal legend mm. which you know the game itself you know it has some really good things and some not so great things but to the world that it leads you into and the way they led the player into it mm. uh, was fantastic because you could really feel the love of tim schaefer for this mm. material like he loves this heavy metal stuff and this the kind of you know the dungeons and dragons meets heavy metal vibe going on right the right. you know the molly hatchet covers mm-hmm. and all the all that kind of stuff and so um those are the things that get my attention and i'm like oh man i want to i want to make things like that i want to make something that makes me makes you realize my passion for this topic mm. and then like that's the only way you can really get that really strong vision to the user if it's something you're passionate about oh yeah but the trick is you have to be careful that you don't go too crazy with it <laughs> right because you can't like I, I in my book I talk about something I call the triangle of weirdness. Oh, yeah. And so the triangle of weirdness, you know, there's that triangle that says you can have it fast, you can have it uh cheap, cheap and you can have it good or something like that. Mm. And you know, it's like pick two, right? Yeah. Well the triangle of weirdness is a triangle that has characters, situations and world, and it's pick one. And so you can make one weird but the other two have to be grounded oh, yeah. because otherwise if you do more than one, you're going to lose your audience, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, like uh, Star Wars is yeah. a perfect example, right? I use this in the book. Uh, Star Wars has people that you kind of know, right? You know uh, farm boys and you know smuggler types and you know the princess and you know the the bad guy, right? These are archetypes, but they're still relatable, um, the hero's passion is he wants to be a hero. The smuggler's passion is he wants to make money. The princess wants to fight for freedom in the galaxy. So these are things that you're like, okay, I get it. You know, these are human desires and needs. But what's weird about Star Wars is the world, right? You've got Wookiees and Jawas and a cantina full of God knows what and, and Death Stars and ice planets and desert planets. And that's the weird thing in Star Wars is the world that has all these weird names. And so as long as the people stay kind of grounded and normal, as long as their motives are grounded and normal, and the world the world can be as weird as it needs to be. And I think that's maybe part of why the prequels didn't do as well, is that it maybe forgot that. Like, mm. it, did, it had weird people, and it had weird um, care, uh, world, and it sometimes had weird motivations, right? Because they were kind of high-level political machinations, and that's not something that normal people think about, right? But if the story had been a little more grounded and maybe told from a different character's perspective, okay. maybe it would have turned out to be a better experience. Yeah. Nice. That's a good point. Um, how did you get your start in the industry? <laughs> I was discovered in a coffee shop, like <laughs> Lana Turner. No, you um, <laughs> yeah, I was. I was. What? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was. Um, I was working. I, I had just recently graduated college, and um, I uh, was sitting in a coffee shop. 
and I was drawing in a sketchbook <coughs> because I was an, I'm an artist. And a friend of mine came up to me and said, "Hey, Scott, uh, you know how to draw, right?" And I'm like, "Yeah, drawing right here in my <laughs> sketchbook." And he said, "Do you know how to draw on a computer?" And I said, "Well, I, I knew like Photoshop. I kind of grown up with Photoshop, so I knew that." I'm like, "Well, what do you mean, like Photoshop?" And he's like, "No, no, I'm talking about things like Deluxe Paint and Deluxe Animator." And I'm mm-hmm. like, "Well, I've never heard of those. What are those?" And he's like, "Oh, these are tools that people use for video games to make video games." This was back in '93 or two, somewhere around there, and. Um, and so I said, well, I'm sorry, I'm not familiar with those tools. And he's like, well, look, um, I have this job. I, were, I work for a video game company, um, and we are looking for artists. Um, how about you take your – you're not working right now. Why don't you take a couple of weeks and come into my apartment, and I'll let you use my home computer, and you can learn these programs and create some artwork and then bring in a portfolio of artwork and show off – your stuff and if it's good enough we can give you a job and i'm like how can i turn down that's such a generous deal thank Mm -hmm. you very much thank you Stu. so um (laughs) so i went to this guy's house and i um uh learned this program i made some art and animated some stuff and it was you know pretty easy to learn and um and i brought my uh samples in and it was for this little well not little but they were becoming bigger company that made games for like the snes and they were starting to make uh pc games and uh, they had a really cool game that they were working on. They showed me the game that they were working on. And I uh, interviewed with a bunch of people there. And they seemed like all really nice guys. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, they said um, – they interviewed me. And they said at the end of the interview, you know, after a whole day of hanging out with them, they said, well, Scott, we, you know, we love your art. You're a really nice guy. But we just found out that the job that you would have been, you know, applied for was just filled with like some other guy. We're going to fill it. He had interviewed yesterday and we're going to he's it's like being filled by him. Mm -hmm. And we don't have anything for you right now. Maybe we have something in the future. And it was I'm like, oh, man, I'm so bummed out because you guys this game you're working on looks really cool. It looks like it's going to be really great. Uh, You know, I'm sorry I, I can't work with you guys. You know, I'm. You know, we'll see maybe in the future. And that uh, little company was a group called Silicon and Synapse, mm. who, if you maybe know, they now go by another name, which is called Blizzard. Oh. And that game, that, that really cool game they were working on was this little game called Warcraft. Oh. And so I missed being on the ground floor of Blizzard yeah. by one day. Wow. So, so, but it led on to, I eventually got another job. So the, the portfolio that I'd created for Blizzard um, became what I used to get my job at another place. And so it, it still worked out well in the end. Mm. That's awesome. Is there, is there a ride? At, we, so we have this segment on our show called Almost Fun. Okay. Um, is there a ride <laughs> at Disneyland where you're like, man, this ride would be so cool if they just did this or they just added this or changed this about this? <laughs> well, when I was an Imagineer, I used to tell people, I can't change that ride you hate. <laughs> so uh, normally I wouldn't answer that question. But now that I'm not working for them, I can <laughs> express my own opinion. Um, well, other than making Nightmare Before Christmas start yeah. on November, um, you know, I miss – so there's – so in Fantasyland, mm-hmm. the Peter Pan – the older rides, the Peter Pan Flight, uh, Snow White Scary Adventures, and – Mr. Toad's Toad's Wild Ride and Alice in Wonderland, Mm -hmm. um, they, when they first were made, and and I remember them in their earlier incarnation before 85 or 6 when they were changed over, um, 
the way the attractions were designed were that you were the character. So in Peter Pan's right. Flight, you're Peter Pan, and Mr. Toad, you're Mr. Toad driving. The, you, Mr. Toad is the only one that kind of still retains yeah. that first-person perspective, mm-hmm. where Pinocchio, or not Pinocchio, Pinocchio was later, um, but Alice, Peter Pan, and Snow White, um, they were changed because when guests would come to the park, they would say, you know, I'm riding Peter Pan's flight, but where the heck is Peter Pan? He's nowhere in the in the ride. You know, you would go through the whole story, but you'd never see Peter Pan. And people just didn't get that they were supposed to be Peter Pan. So in mm-hmm. the 80s, uh, when they redid Fantasyland, yeah. they added the characters in. So now the attractions are more what we uh, or Imagineers used to call uh, book report rides, right? They're more mm-hmm. like uh, the Pinocchio one and the Ariel Little Mermaid one are like perfect examples of this, where you're literally going scene by scene through the story, mm-hmm. yeah. and you're like, here's where Ariel lost her voice, and here's Here's where they sang under the sea, and here's where Ursula grew really big, although she's a little cardboard thing in the background. <laughs> and um, and so, to me, those um, book report attractions, and to many people, uh, are very unsatisfying because it's just kind of like, well, I know this story. I don't need to see 3D models. I mean, they're they're beautiful, and the environments are great, and it's neat to see them come to life. But I think that. What's interesting is I think that the change happened too soon because I think now that we're so used to first person's perspective through mm. you know cameras and through video games mm. and through um, you know Google Glass and all these kind of different methods of of seeing now from our eyes mm. I think that those attractions I think nowadays people wouldn't question it I don't think that they would say hey where the heck is Peter Pan in Peter Pan's flight mm-hmm. they would just get oh okay I'm supposed to be Peter Pan uh-huh. and so and so it's interesting I, I really would love to see those Fantasyland attractions move back towards that first person's perspective or at least some other attraction do that where they they kind of draw a line in the sand and they say look you are this character and, and the ones that still kind of retain that flavor are the Haunted Mansion and the Pirates of the Caribbean right. and the Jungle Cruise and the Matterhorn and Space Mountain and Big Thunder Mountain, arguably all the really successful attractions in the park. Yeah. But the but the thing about all those attractions is they don't cast you as somebody, mm-hmm. right? They, it, they're what I call second person rides mm-hmm. because you're a guest that's being moved through you know you're you're surviving it you're experiencing it but you're not peter pan you're not you know you're not uh, a specific you're not eddie murphy going through the haunted mansion <laughs> right which would be horrible you're not uh, johnny depp you know you're not um you know uh somebody in the, the matterhorn you know that's this character mm-hmm. you're and so and if and if you think about it from video game terms right like think about all the games that are licensed so like batman games and character like character very heavy story based games mm. what is the difference between those and like kind of games where you're more of a RPG type thing or, you know, more of a, a, a archetype, right? Like if you're more of like Team Fortress or um, uh, the, uh, what are the games, the Skyrim and those, right? Mm-hmm. So think about the difference of those two type of video games. What's the difference between them? I'm asking you questions. Um, one of them you're cast as a character. Right. And the other... You get to be your own character. You get to be yourself, right? Now, in the games that you're cast as a character, how do you look at those games? What's the viewpoint? Uh, through the character, and I 
it resonates with me faster because I know how the character is supposed to react. That's part of it. But what visually... You you see Batman play right. and then uh, you direct him. Right. But when you're playing yourself in um, Battleground or whatever, you know, some one of those games... It's first person. It's first person, right? So when you're playing a character, you play it in third person because you want to see that character and you want to mm-hmm. see how that character reacts and you want to see the interesting signature moves that those guys do. Mm-hmm. When it's first person, it's you. And so you don't have your signature move. You don't have your individual look or something like that. It doesn't matter because it's more about what you do and less about the interaction of the character to the world, right? Mm -hmm. And so much like these Disneyland attractions, right, um, the fact that you are watching the the character in the world you just you kind of become a nobody right because you don't have that in video games like well you do you have like observing mode but how many people really like i mean honestly i know that people watch league of legends tournaments and Mm -hmm. and stuff like that but to be honest i am kind of bored to tears with that idea i don't like i would much rather play a game than watch it right Mm -hmm. like even um walkthroughs online i i'm hesitant to to look at because i want to experience it for myself, right? I don't want to just watch it through someone else's eyes. Mm-hmm. And so that that removed, uh, it's like a non-person, right? It's like this, you're the spirit that's kind of just floating your way through this experience. Mm-hmm. That, to me, is very unappealing. And so that's why I think you see... Um, you know, either third or first person games. You don't see what I call second person, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's maybe about three games that are that are second person games. One of them is this Sega game that came out in the late '90s, mm-hmm. where you were like a. It's, it was kind of like a little bit like Five Nights at Freddy's, where mm-hmm. you were controlling a robot girl and you were kind of talking con- commands to her, uh-huh. and uh, and so you weren't part of the action. You weren't. You weren't engaged. You weren't losing health. You were you were kind of bossing this other character around. And there's another game, uh, a Pac-Man game called Pac-Land. Right. That's also kind of the same way where you're like affecting Pac-Man's mood, but you're but you're a nobody. You're like you're like God, but not right. Yeah. It's kind of like those populist games and all those other Farmvilles. Like who are you in Farmville? You're nobody, yeah. right? You're like this. You're like God, but you're not. You're like it's this weird. Sp- you're like in this weird spirit limbo realm, right? Mm-hmm. And and that to me, they're not as satisfying as being a character or being myself. Yeah, it's so funny because I never thought of that before. But in Splash Mountain, which is one of my favorite rides, you're kind of following Br'er Bear as uh, Bear Rabbit as um, just a nobody. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the ride, the vultures are talking to you. Right, you're right. Like, oh shit, I wasn't. I was involved in all this hedonistic activity yeah. along with them, and now I'm going to pay. <laughs> well, well, arguably, I, and I, unfortunately, I've never experienced the attraction, but from what I've seen and read about it, I think the best, possibly the best way that the story is communicated is in the Spider-Man ride at Universal, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. because Spider-Man is there, and he's interacting and fighting bad guys, but he's also like addressing you as part of the action right he's like oh my god what are you guys doing here get the hell out of here you're not supposed to be here right and i think that 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 really subtle difference that the fact that they're aware that you're there Mm -hmm. like the haunted mansion does a little bit of this where the ghost host addresses you and says oh there you are you know i've been looking for you and that but but most of the characters in the haunted mansion don't 
expressly interact with you. Mm-hmm. Like the bride is maybe the closest, but she's just kind of on this loop, so she doesn't like lean in and say, "Ah, you, I'm going to marry you next." You know, uh-huh. if yeah. if it had done something like that, I think that you'd feel a little bit more of that connection. Yeah. And, and so the Spider-Man ride, what excites me about that is this notion of that's. To me, that's the win. That That's like the best model of any sort of dark writer. And, and in video games, too, right? Where you have a character saying, like, like even though everybody hates escort missions, they're, they're a good way to pull you in, right? They're like, oh, my God, you've got to help me. I've got to get through this this uh, firefight, you know? And, and so look at, um, like, the Medal of Honor game where you're on um, uh, Normandy Beach, right? Uh-huh. I mean, that, even though that game is, what, now, like 10 years old, 15 yeah. years old, that's still, like, one of the best levels ever in a video game mm-hmm. because you're so engaged. You're so there, but people are still running up to you and saying, we need your help. We need you to get this. We need to be able to blow up this turret. And so you feel engaged and you feel part of it, even though you could just run through and, and ignore it. And just, you know, you're just getting from A to B ultimately. Mm-hmm. But I think that that, to me, that's one of the secret keys is that this notion of making the person feel connected, even in a very small way. Mm. Yeah, I think they, I remember, I can't remember which game it was, but like, I think it was in 64. I remember we used to play and there's one game where you would talk to a psychic and she would read oh, yeah. your game cartridge yeah, and she'd yeah. be like, you like Legend of Zelda. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Solid. Yeah, well, Metal Gear Solid, yeah, that's Metal Gear Solid has that. Yeah, uh, Psycho Mantis does that. You like Castlevania. And you're like, what? Yeah. You know I like Castlevania. <laughs> My friend was like the biggest Legend of Zelda fan ever. So she was like, oh, how does it know? <laughs> it knows me. It's funny. Yeah, because up until then it's kind of like a normal game mm-hmm. and then after that I was scared of Psycho Mantis <laughs> <laughs> what else does he know about me yeah. I better straighten up my act yeah. <laughs> alright that's cool we could do like five hour podcasts on well it. you know I'd be happy to come back anytime for sure we should definitely do a comic one a Batman oh, one. Yeah, yeah. 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 oh yeah I, please don't get me started on Batman I hey. go forever oh I know a killer right. moth one yeah there you go yeah. Yeah. killer moth right, we're definitely gonna do more of these alright thanks thank you so much Scott thank Rogers you, Scott. oh awesome. my pleasure thank you very much guys thanks all right. Wasn't that a great interview? That was an amazing interview. That was awesome. He's a stunning man. Yeah, he's awesome. Um, so, this is fun. <laughs> Almost. All right. I so, like that so much. <laughs> you're still in the background saying I like that so much. Oh, you can cut that out. <laughs> no, I didn't. Um, so, uh, my almost fun for amusement parks is an attraction called Luigi's Tires in Cars Land. At uh, California Adventure, have you been there? I've been through it. I, I wait. Is that is that the ride? Yeah, I've done the ride. The the Luigi's Tires. Right, it's the only ride in Carsland, right? No, there's like three rides. Oh, I don't know. I did the one that everyone likes. Okay, so, so that one's uh, Radiator Springs. Yeah, which is an awesome ride. Yeah, I was like, that's great. Yeah, and but Luigi's Tires is the opposite of that. Luigi's Tires is essentially you're on a floating tire. Okay, no, I didn't do this. (laughs) (laughs) And you're moving super slow. So it's like bumper cars, but really, really slow bumper cars. Mm. And it's really hard to control. And then you do that for like 45 seconds and the ride is over. Oh. So the reason why I think they thought it would work is I had an interview with Tony Baxter uh, who said it's based off of a UFO ride back in the 50s or 60s where you would go on a floating UFO. Except the context was that you got to fly in a UFO. So you have that fantasy a little bit. Um, whereas in this one, you're in a floating tire and it makes zero sense, like at all. So, not surprisingly, they're closing it down. Um, but I, I call this one almost fun because it could have, they could have done something. You have the cars license and you have like a huge budget. And so, so 
you could have had something really cool here. And in fact, they did when the, first, the our ride first opened. There used to be these giant beach balls that you could grab and throw at other people. Mm. And it's pretty safe because they're giant and they're soft. But it's at least it added some tension to the attraction. Now that they took those out, all you do you're just left in the hot sun, uh, going super slow in these giant tires, and you bump into each other, and there's like zero impact. And then the ride is over. Mm. So they had a good idea in the beginning of making it some kind of uh, some kind of engagement, some kind of attention by having those beach balls that you could throw at each other there. But then they got rid of them and they got rid of like all the fun in the ride. So that's my almost fun for this episode. Amy? So my almost fun is the entire park of Hurricane Harbor. <laughs> and like, unlike Joe, like this isn't about a particular ride. The rides are fun. Um, you know, they're, it's, it's a water park, so you, it's what you expect. Mm. But... The thing that makes Hurricane Harbor, at least out here in, in California, the one that why it's no fun is there's bees everywhere. <laughs> fun fun fact about host Amy: she's terrified of bees and literally phobic of bees. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I'm, I have a phobia of bees uh, from a terrible experience when I was a child, uh, and which we'll get to because that's fun um, <laughs> at some point. Anyway, like I went to this park uh, a couple years ago with uh, my boyfriend at the time, and like we. We could not enjoy any of any of the rides. Like you were safe when you were in a slide, but otherwise, like there were just bees everywhere, all over the picnic tables, wow. all over the trash cans. Like, and I'm of course scared. Like, my my boyfriend at the time got like annoyed with me because I was freaking out and hyperventilating so much because there were bees everywhere. Yeah. Um, and regardless of the fact that I'm phobic of bees, I think bees are a problem for everybody. So <laughs> the, the park was almost fun because yeah. if there had been no bees, it would be a great time. That's, yeah. That's- well, that's pretty horrible because, I mean, you want to make sure that your park doesn't have bees in it if people are coming and uh, some percentage of them have phobia of them. But and, and Disney's always been good about that, just, like, making sure the park doesn't have vermin. Like, what, yeah. like roaches or rats, or except for the cat thing, because they've got cats that come out at night. But who doesn't love kitties? <laughs> well, they're there to catch the rodents. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But they, they make sure that the park is clear of infestation and that's a huge part in hurricane harbor get your act together <laughs> yeah no don't have bees around there um all right so now we're going to talk about something positive we're going to talk about what we have certified fun for this episode this is certified fun yeah all right so um my certified fun for amusement parks is there's so many cool things uh, you know what? I'm just going to do Disneyland because I, I was just going to pick a ride. But uh, the entire park of Disneyland is so good because so many small things that make you feel uh, special. So what I what I hear is that Disney World is supposed to be impressive, like big. But Disneyland is charming because they had the budget to do something smaller, like initially. So they made it very charming. So, and the thing about charming is that it makes you feel special. It makes you feel like this was made for you. They, you know, that when you first walk into Main Street, the second floor, everything is scaled down uh, a bit for that forced perspective. So it feels like everything's more intimate than it actually is. And um, there's no boring places in Disneyland. Like everywhere, uh, Scott Rogers, ironically, uh, says that Walking isn't fun in video games, and unless you have something interesting. Well, in Disneyland, when you're walking from place to place, you can walk, for people who've been, you can walk all day and not realize that you're walking so much because everything's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Even when there's like a long stretch of road between attractions, the roads are always banked or curved or they have something they're very beautiful, they're very nice to look at. So you're never bored, whatever you're doing. They never, they never... 
They never break your engagement. Even between lands, when you're going from frontier land to adventure land to New Orleans, you they do transitions like real life crossfades. So they'll have trash cans covering up where the lines where the lands divide. So you never notice that you're going from one land to another. It always keeps you engaged. Do the same thing with the music. The music fades out from Frontierland and it fades into Adventureland and you never notice it because it's done so seamlessly. Mm. So the entire park at Disneyland engages you so much and they work really hard to keep that engagement. So it's very hard to get bored. It's very hard to become disengaged. It's very hard to not have fun in Disneyland because they always have something to discover. They always have a new parade, a new attraction, a new blah, blah, blah. They never have the same thing. I've I've been a season pass holder for years and years and years and I've never been bored at Disneyland because they always have something to discover. Discover. So that's my certified fun for this episode. Okay, awesome. So can I have two certified funds? <laughs> yeah. Because I thought of one while you were talking. Right. So my first certified fun is going to be the one that Joe and I talked about, which is uh, Islands of Adventure in mm. Florida. And they have a ride um, for the Hulk. It's the Hulk coaster. And this is the best coaster I've ever written. Ridden. And one of the things I like about it the best is like the startup of it is really brilliant. Because normally when you go on a roller coaster, you go up really slow, you hit the peak, you go over, you, you scream yeah. all the way down. So the whole coaster is when you're cranking up slowly, um, you're in a green tunnel with tons of lights in it. And it's almost like you're in like the, the barrel of a gamma ray gun or something. And in your ears, you're hearing Bruce Banner freaking out because this experiment is going wrong and he's becoming the Hulk. Mm. And when he finally does the change, at that moment, you're still slowly going up. Uh, the the roller coaster, but when he experiences the change, you suddenly just shoot like you immediately go from like zero to sixty. That's so cool. it it changes your expectation because you yeah. think it's going to go a certain way, but it surprises you. It's that discovery that we and, talked about. And it's funny because you said that it happens while you're still going up mm-hmm. when it's, it's not supposed to happen. Yeah, exactly. You think it's supposed to happen when you go down, but they changed on you, so you realize like I don't know what I'm in for for the ride. Yeah. And this is a ride that goes upside down, but it's not some some rides. I feel like get really excited that they can go upside down and are like 17 upside downs um and this this one it's like the right amount of upside downs doesn't make you go backwards some rides like are rickety and make you feel like you're gonna die on them this one was so smooth and clean and the ride was the right amount of time it's not so long that you're going like when when is this gonna be over but it's not so short that you're like did that ride really happen yeah so like it's just a really amazing roller coaster and i highly recommend it Cool. And then my second certified fun, because while Joe was talking about how bad Luigi's tires were <laughs> and bumper cars, there's a place called Disney Quest in mm-hmm. Florida. And this is a it's just like a three-story indoor interactive theme park that's like uh, computer-themed mostly, uh-huh. virtual reality-themed, things like that. Uh-huh. So there's a lot of great rides on it. But the one that my sister and I loved the most was um, this Buzz Lightyear's like ball blasters or something. Uh-huh. And it's a bumper car ride, but in it you get two people. So one, of the peop- one, of the, one, one person drives and the other person shoots. Mm-hmm. And all along the floor are balls. So they, your person's driving is job is to get into the ball, like pick up as many balls as possible. Cause uh-huh. you drive over the balls and they come up through a chute. And then the person who's shooting, uh-huh. um, is responsible for putting it into the cannon and then uh-huh. aiming at little markers on the other cars. Uh-huh. And when you hit the car, you spin around and lights go off and they keep 
score. Oh, that's so cool. it's like a video game. Like it's awesome. You shoot other cars. You shoot other cars. Oh. Other people who are also driving around and trying to pick up balls so cool. and shooting each other. And it's like the most fun. It's all my sister and I did for the most part. It was our favorite thing in the world. I we would we would strategize in line about what we were going to do. We have to collect more balls. This is how we do it. We got to protect our sides. I was so into it. I think it was like twelve or thirteen at the time, and I was so into it. I'm like I was visualizing that it was happening and my sister was trying to talk to me she was like yeah, Amy Amy and I was visualizing so hard I just screamed <laughs> but it was so fun if you have a chance and you're um, at Disney Quest in Florida just go do that ride because it's amazingly engaging and fun and different and friendly that's so cool because there's so many things to focus on mm-hmm. like especially for both people uh-huh. like you're not just both looking at the same goal like one person is trying to get balls and they're trying to get out of the way of mm-hmm. other people and the other person's trying to grab the balls and put them in and shoot other people mm-hmm. it's like, and then plus you have the dynamic of strangers yep. like <laughs> attacking you and attacking them and you bond with the person with you like it's collaborative yeah. in that manner and you're like against other people but like it's not angry like you know you don't get mad at people it's just you, you have a common enemy but everyone's laughing and having an amazing time that is so cool that it's a great ride I, I gotta I gotta check that out uh, and it's awesome uh, alright so you could find us at whatmakesitfun.com and you could find Amy at ameliaclover.com or ameliaclovervo on Instagram Twitter Facebook it's awesome um and uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, if you like it, uh, tell a friend, uh, spread the word. And uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode. And we will uh, come back tomorrow. <laughs> and have fun. That's right. I was thinking about a catchphrase, and I was like, "Have fun," and I just forgot about it right now. Uh, all right, thank Group you guys. Mind. Yeah, have fun. <laughs>